This edition of the Ed Surge On Air podcast is brought to you by the Barbara Bush Foundation Adult Literacy X Prize. Learn more by visiting the following website, adultliteracy.xprize.org. Not too long ago, it was pretty cool that students could print their own papers in the classroom or that teachers could spontaneously print materials for their classes. But these days, printing has gotten a little bit more advanced. It sure has. In fact, if one startup has its way, your science classroom might soon be printing live cells. That's right, live cells. We'll talk to the two co-founders of SE3D Education who are making a tabletop, affordable bioprinter that they hope will change the way we teach biology and other science subjects. Uh, Printing cells, that's crazy. The (laughs) former science teacher in me is going nuts. (laughs) All that plus our weekly roundup of the EdTech News coming up. I'm Mary Jo Matta. And I'm Michael Winters. Let's get started. Exciting news from EdSurge this week. We're thrilled to announce the second launch of the EdSurge 50 States project for the 2015 to 2016 school year. Woohoo! Back in 2014, EdSurge formulated the 50 States project as an initiative to publish articles by educators in each of the 50 states and a couple of U.S. territories over the course of a year, showcasing educators' stories of supporting learning with technology. With the publishing of the project came the impact. Educators were recognized by local media. Several writers were flown out to California to speak at a Stanford University symposium. And readers called out the importance of teacher voice in the edtech world on Twitter. And because people took note, well, the project is back. From now until August, EdSearch will post articles from educators sharing tales and tools of the trade and add them to a helpful guide. If you're interested in applying to represent your state, Check out edsurge.com slash guides for all the information. If you've been listening to our show over the past few months, then you may be expecting this next bit of news. This week, Amplify laid off an estimated 500 of its 1,200-plus employees. It's not clear yet which of Amplify's many divisions and product lines was the most affected by the layoffs, but our guess is that the axe likely fell hardest on the teams producing the tablets, which the company recently announced it would stop producing, and digital curriculum, where sales have disappointed company bosses. Back in August, News Corp announced that it intended to sell Amplify, and since then, rumors of planned layoffs had been persistent. And wow, by the way, this just came in through the newswire on late Wednesday of this week. I still can't believe this. News Corporation announced that it has sold its Amplify Insight and Learning businesses to a management team supported by a group of private investors. These buyers include familiar faces from the company's existing leadership, notably Larry Berger and Joel Klein, both of whom were the faces of Amplify. The deal is effective immediately, and the new company, which will retain the Amplify name, is going to be led by none other than Larry Berger. And I have to say, we sought to find these numbers, but unfortunately, financial terms of the deal were not disclosed. Big news from Google this week. The company announced that it would provide kits to select teachers that included everything a classroom needs to go on a Google expedition. Google Expedition is a virtual experience where students use a smartphone to experience a 360-degree view of famous landmarks and locations. The Expedition's program had been a big hit with educators back at ISTE, but a common complaint was that students without a smartphone couldn't participate. The kits are not yet available publicly. 
Interested educators should head to the Expeditions Pioneer Program website and fill out an interest form. Oh boy, more from Los Angeles. Oh boy. There's a group that wants to raise $490 million to put half of Los Angeles Unified students in charter schools. And the LA Times posted the full memo from the Broad Foundation, which asserts that charters consistently outperform public schools. But arguments over the relevant data are getting pretty fierce. The report ruffled feathers and echoed the missteps and misspent funds of another grand attempt to change public education in Newark, New Jersey, which our own Betsy Corcoran rehashed on EdSurge this week. Now, for further reading on that particular event, reporter Dale Rosikoff published a recent book entitled The Prize, Who's in Charge of America's Schools, which is a behind-the-scenes account of Newark's attempt to right its failing public schools with the financial support of individuals like Mark Zuckerberg. And now it's time for Kachings. Civitas Learning has raised a $60 million Series D round led by Warburg Pincus. The Austin, Texas-based company builds tools that analyze different buckets of data collected at colleges and universities. These analyses then help administrators, faculty, and students make better informed decisions to boost course completion and, by extension, on-time graduation rates. Civitas is currently working across 80 institutions and reaches an estimated 2.7 million students. And video tutoring product Savvy has raised a $1.7 million seed round to help simplify tutoring interactions online. Partech Ventures, Fresco Capital, Metatron Worldwide, Learn Capital, who is also an investor in EdSurge, and other angel investors all participated. Congratulations to both of those companies and to everyone else who raised money this week. Well, that's it for the news bits. We'll be back to explore bioprinting in this week's deep dive, but right after this quick word from our sponsor. We're willing to bet that if you are listening to this podcast, you care about education. Educating kids matters. But here at EdSurge, we care about educating adults too, particularly when they lack some of the skills that many of us learned in elementary school. Know who else cares about adult learning? Cares so much that they are offering a $7 million bonus for doing it right? The Barbara Bush Foundation Adult Literacy X Prize presented by Dollar General Literacy Foundation. The foundations are running an XPRIZE competition for teams to develop mobile software to help low-literate adults increase their reading skills. If you want to help the 36 million adults who read at or below a third grade level and you're into developing mobile apps, here's what you need to do. Put together a team, apply, build your app, and change the world. Go to the website adultliteracy.xprize.org to sign up. There are 36 million adults and their families whose lives you can change for the better. And 7 million isn't too bad either. The registration deadline is December 10th, so sign up now. Okay, now you may recognize this noise. It can be found in every school and every office around the country. And uh, in this office, it is the bane of my existence. It's the printer. Printing documents is super useful, but it's no longer very exciting. This noise, though. Now, this is exciting. This is a 3D printer, and there's been tons of press lately about 3D printing and the maker movement that has helped it to thrive. 
and more and more schools are starting to incorporate this 3D printing technology in various ways. But it turns out there's something that goes beyond 3D printing and complexity. And honestly, in its coolness, too. <laughs> something that may be on its way to schools right now. That something is bioprinting. And we're going to be exploring bioprinting a bit in our deep dive today. Now, what exactly is bioprinting? Well, according to Webster's, the source of definitions for everything, bioprinting is the three-dimensional printing of biological tissue and organs through the layering of living cells. Or, as one expert puts it, so a bioprinter is very much like a 3D printer, except instead of printing plastics, you could print biological materials. There you go. We'll introduce that voice in a second, but comparing bioprinting to 3D printing is a great analogy because it really is very much the same thing. So you may have seen a 3D printer work before. You take different types of plastics or wax as inputs to the printer. And there's a computer attached to the printer, so you give it a design that you would like it to make. Then you press go, and the 3D printer adds one layer of plastics at a time, following your specifications until, voila, you have your item. And you may have seen things like small jewelry or maybe a smartphone case printed like this. Uh, Betsy has a, a bracelet that she has in her desk that's 3D printed. I have one too. Oh, you do? Mm -hmm. But this technology is, is much bigger than just jewelry and smartphone cases. Uh, it's called additive manufacturing out in the manufacturing world, and it is huge. It's getting bigger all the time. Earlier this year, Boeing filed patents for 3D printed airline parts. You know, and bioprinting really is pretty much the same. You tell a computer what you'd like out of the printer, you press a button, and then there you go. It just goes to work. But the inputs, those are a little bit different. When you use a bioprinter, what goes in is a sort of slurry of cells suspended in liquid, and it's called bioink. Then you press print, and you combine the bioink with a certain kind of gel to give it structure. And you can print out proteins, encapsulated DNA, and even whole cells. Oof, every little scientific part of me is tingling right now. I love this. <laughs> She's shaking. Okay, so now it's time to introduce our two guides through the world of bioprinting. Hi, my name is Prashant, uh, Prashant Asuri. I am a bioengineer, educator, and aspiring entrepreneur. That is Dr. Prashant Asuri, CTO of SE3D Education and Assistant Professor of Bioengineering at Santa Clara University. And the woman's voice you heard earlier was Dr. Maya Lim, the CEO of SE3D Education. So my name is Maya, Maya Sari Lim, and um, I am, I guess, a biomedical engineer uh, and slash chemical engineer by training. I was previously teaching in Singapore at an engineering university called Nanyang Technological University. We found Dr. Lim and Dr. Asuri at ISTE this year. The two have come together to form this company, SE3D Education, that is building a device to bring the power of bioprinting to the classroom. But just why did they start down this road? Well, here's Dr. Lim. During the last two years of um, when I was in NTU, I was working a lot on design projects with, um, you know, like senior design projects for undergraduate students. And we got into 3D printing at first, um, you know, creating prototypes and models using the 3D printer. So I saw a great value uh, when my students got really excited of using the 3D printer, learning how to use it. Uh, my own research is bio tissue engineering related, so we started also looking into the possibility of creating a bioprinter. Um, we were fortunate enough to have a really sophisticated $80,000 bioprinter in the lab, but not every school, I realized, have 
the money to buy an $80,000 printer, right? And of course, even with the $80,000 printer, we only had three or four students who were able to use it, not the whole classroom. So I saw an opportunity where, you know, why can't we create an equipment where there's lower cost that, you know, every student or at least a few groups of students would be able to use um, this type of equipment and be able to learn about the technology because the students that I was working with were super excited and they started becoming really creative. They thought about all the possibilities with bioprinting and they asked all these questions. And I think that's what you want to be able to trigger in a student as a teacher. So Dr. Lim and Dr. Rasuri met a couple of years ago through LinkedIn, believe it or not, <laughs> and they collaborated together on a paper about stem cells. And just totally as a side note, just to prove how legit these two people are, I have their paper right here. And it is titled, oh man, this is a mouthful, Three-Dimensional Hydrogel Encapsulated Embryonic Stem and Sar Carcinoma Cells as Culture Platforms for Cytotoxicity Studies. My gosh, that is that is the title. Woo! That sounds pretty legit to me. You know, I understand all of those words individually, but as a sentence, that is a huge mouthful and a big brainful. <laughs> uh, anyway, while they were collaborating, they started thinking about the emerging technology of bioprinting and how it might be interesting to bring it to high schoolers. And then, as with many ed tech startups, there was a key developmental moment, a moment where our two founders got to see just how excited students became when the possibility of bioprinting was laid out plain and square in front of them. For me, um, I would say the interest really sparked for me when we had gone for, um, we had, we'd been at the Bay Area Science Festival and you know we didn't have a bioprinter then. We were just presenting the concept. Uh, we just had the guts that would allow us to bioprint. Nothing was encased. I was actually, at some level, manually bioprinting, right? And we had kids, we had toddlers walking through the booth and you know they were sitting on their parents' shoulders, they were just watching what I was doing. And the kids were going yeah. completely yeah. gaga, crazy, because they were looking at it, they were making these beads, and I'd take these, this bead and put it into another tube, and suddenly a tube changes color. <laughs> <laughs> into a color that they would not expect yeah. that to happen because I was taking, uh, you know, a, a bead that was reddish brown in color, and I was putting into a solution that was light green and it turned into blue, and and that's not how primary colors work, right? And so, so they they were all very excited, and I think we were there for about four or five hours, and I was we were doing non-stop. this nonstop, like cycle yeah. after cycle after yeah. cycle. People just keep coming. And you know, th that's where it started clicking for me that, okay, this is the field I have to be in. I, I want to empower the students at a very early age, and I'm, I'm terribly excited by that. And with that experience to motivate them, SE3D Education was born. Since that Bay Area Science Festival in 2014, the two doctors have been working toward building a tool that could be placed in any science classroom around the country. And what exactly is it that could be put into classrooms around the country? Well, the company's creating two things. So first up, they have an actual tabletop size working bioprinter. Yeah, it's surprisingly small, about the size of a microscope you might find in any old science classroom. And their bioprinter is significantly less expensive than the one that Dr. Lim was using in her research. They expect that their model will cost around 5000 per machine. Secondly, they're creating curriculum to go along with the bioprinter, and that curriculum would be designed for groups of four to five students. They're currently working to improve prototypes of both pieces, and their plan is to launch at the end of 2015. 
Okay, and now for perhaps the bigger question, how would a teacher use these materials in a classroom exactly? What is the curriculum asking people to do? Oh man, I could think of lots of cool fun things for this. Okay, well, <laughs> but first let's look at the actual biology component of this. So Dr. Lim and Dr. Asuri say that with their machine, you can take some common high school biology experiments and supercharge them. I think in the high school, there are some very simple bacteria tests that you could do. You know, you can grow bacteria cells or mold or yeast and whatnot, right? And then you would uh, grow them typically on a plate, a culture plate. Um, and you want to test, let's say, different chemicals, you know, detergent, maybe brand A detergent, brand, two, brand B detergent, and Clorox and something else, uh, and you would test it on a plate. And we can actually trans transfer this assay onto the bioprinter and create arrays of mini assays. Um, so that's one way that we would transfer something that they are already doing or learning classroom into a bioprinting platform where the industry would do it this way. So before, students would be piping bacteria into different petri dishes and then dropping in the different detergents. And maybe you have one control and one test group per student. But with the bioprinter, you can have dozens or hundreds of cultures in your classroom. And since all of the printing is automated, a teacher can be, one, much more efficient, and two, cost-effective with her inputs. And there are lots of other examples of individual experiments that the doctors gave us uh, in biology as well as other science subjects. But the second and overarching use of the bioprinter in the classroom is arguably more important, and it's this. Teaching students some of the real skills that they would need to know to participate in the bioprinting or any uh, complex science industry. What could be impressed on them is how those bioprinted proteins are used in the industry as we speak now. High throughput screening assays, that's something is not, is not a word that usually comes across in high school education. However, and that's because they don't create arrays in high school, but the, but the mechanisms of how proteins are used in high school education, at least in lectures, they talk about proteins, examples of proteins being enzymes and how they catalyze biochemical reactions. And they almost stop there. We hope that this tool will be used to sh show to the students how you can bridge that gap. Your, your education doesn't stop at learning how enzymes work, but also how enzymes are used in the industry. Right. Yeah. We don't want to reinvent the wheel, so we won't be writing science textbooks, sure. right? So what we would be doing is looking at what is in the science textbook, and you can think of this as an appendix, right? So you have your science textbook and this is what it talks to you about what bacteria does. You talk about bacteria, you talk about antibacterial agents. Let's let's provide you with the next chapter. This is how you would take that knowledge and see for yourself that antibacterials do work or this is how you would screen for new antibacterials. You would develop these mini arrays, print them with or without antibacterials and see how they impact bacterial growth. And all of these things Schools or students don't necessarily think that it can be available to them at an early age. They think they have to go to college to be uh, to be seeing all of this. But even at some colleges, you might not even get to have you know use these tools. So you know when we were teaching, when at least when I was teaching in bioengineering, I thought there was definitely a need for this kind of tool or technology that will help students apply the knowledge that they learn and not just textbook material but really get the hands-on and really understand how is it done in the industry. I think a lot of students come right. to me and they ask me how is the skills that I'm going to learn be used in the industry and this is one way that we could show them how to do that. And we also ask them specifically why are you focusing your efforts in K-12 
rather than in higher ed or even in other industries where there might be even more applications for the technology. Most platforms that exist in the market right now have either um, been built to serve the medical field or to serve the research that drives the medical field, right? What we, on the other hand, want to do or aspire to do is make sure that this pipeline of talent starts from the very beginning. So it starts from K-12 as opposed to starting when someone finds their way into college and is beginning to decide, okay, what am I going to do with my education so far? And there's good reason to think that getting students involved in bioprinting and training them is a good thing. Bioprinting is a technology that is at the beginning of its life cycle. Dr. Usuri gave us a glimpse at some of the really, really cool things that scientists hope to be able to do with this technology in the future. Currently, uh, most bioprinting applications have been limited to the medical field. Um, it's mainly at the, in the realm of tissue engineering and regenerative medicine, where people are trying to use bioprinting to develop layers of tissue. Um, and ultimately, the goal, obviously, is to maybe bioprint an internal organ like a heart or a liver. Mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting regenerative medicine has not been fully done. People have definitely printed chunks of tissue. Um, uh, and, you know, human body is, is amazing. Um, you can, in, in some cases, you can take you know, the chunks of tissue and replace a smaller piece of tissue that has been lost. Um, we're definitely very far away from printing the entire organ. Yeah, but there are some um, examples, uh, you know, hospitals who have had success stories um, in using bioprinted um, tissue or structure that would be replacement. So for, there was one example, Korean um, surgeons and also a scientist who bioprinted a nose uh, for a six-year-old. You know, he was born without a nose, so he had to breathe through a, a assistive device for the first six years of his life. And finally, they used bioprinting to actually create this artificial nose and successfully implant it, and he was breathing almost normally like any person would. So that was, you know, really good example that it is possible. Um, we're making, you know, small steps toward this holy grail of potentially an organ one day. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're both very uh, hopeful that this technology is going to get us there. Okay, hold up, hold up. All right. We need to stop there and address something that many of you in our audience are probably thinking at the moment. Honestly, when I first was told about this, I just thought, are you guys crazy? <laughs> you want to give m my 13-year-old students the power to print a nose cells? Really? I mean, when I taught science, some of my students couldn't even print their homework, yeah. their projects, and now you are giving them the opportunity to, pr to print human life. Yeah, well, uh, so I was with you on that. Uh, I was totally skeptical for exactly that same reason, yeah. too. So uh, a couple of things. First, it's very important to point out that there is no printing of human anything going on here. Uh, SE3D's printer and their curriculum are designed to print uh, cells, basic cells. The materials that they provide allow you to print simple and safe bacteria. And if a teacher has the desire and a little bit of extra equipment, she could also print out a little bit more complex mammalian cells. But that's as far as it goes. We're not printing human cells here. Remember, this is a science that is still in its early stages. The most advanced scientists in the world have not yet transplanted a fully working organ. They're working on it, but it's certainly not yet simple enough for a non-scientist to just come along and, and print a heart or a liver or whatever. And when we talked to the two co-founders, we asked them straight up, 
Does it ever scare you printing cells and giving children the power to print them too? Well, we've both worked with stem cells. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's more scarier than printing uh, bacteria. bacteria. <laughs> and, um, no, no, it does not yeah. does not scare me at any level. Um, yeah, but I think you know, Prashant made a very good point earlier that you know, if you get kids to learn about um, responsibility and being aware of what they need to do to be safe and biohazards and things like that, if you teach them at an early age, then it becomes you know natural for them right. that you're aware, you're right. more aware, and that's I think that's right. why we're we feel that way. You, I think students, uh, kids have to be uh, held responsible, or but not just held responsible, but also have to be taught the proper responsible responsibility. So, in that sense, it I can see how it's scary, but the prospect of doing that is not awfully scary for me. Overall, responsibility is a big theme for SE3D. And as a former science teacher, to totally editorialize for a second, I do think that this is a good thing. You know, there's dissecting frogs and there's learning about nuclear science. I mean, the responsibility that comes with knowledge has always been a big theme in the science classroom. This isn't really anything new. And this printer does seem like a great idea for exploring it further. I agree with that. But... You know, it, this all seems so new and strange to me still. Um, it, it feels like something out of a, a science fiction novel, not something that's happening in, in 2015. So as one last measure of how ready this technology is, we asked our doctors, if the need ever arose, would you use a bioprinted organ? Yeah, I would. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We have uh, great faith in the technology. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hey, if... If the experts are so enthusiastic, then I guess I'm on board too. Me too. A big thanks today to Dr. Maya Lim and Dr. Prashant Asuri. If you're interested in learning more about SE3D education and their bioprinter, check out their website, www.se3d.com. And if you're a teacher who's interested in piloting their materials in your classroom, head to their website and shoot them an email. Thanks also to Audrey Mullen and all of the other writers who contributed to EdSurge this week. And hey, another shameless plug for the 50 States Project. Whether you're in North Dakota, Florida, Illinois, or New Mexico, we want to hear from you. If you're interested in applying to be one of the state representer writers for our 50 States Project, please go ahead and visit edsurge.com guides to access the official 50 States Guide and get all the information on applying to be a part of the project. And finally, a huge thank you to all of you for listening to this show. Thanks to you, September was, again, the best month ever for the Ed Surge podcast. Uh, if you're counting along at home, that's four straight months of the best month ever. And it is all thanks to you. We cannot tell you how much we appreciate your support. And we hope that you'll shoot us a note if you ever have any feedback for us. The email address is feedback at edsurge.com. And uh, remember, that sounds like a junk email. It's not. It all goes directly to me. So that's send me true. your thoughts. That's very true. All right. That's it. I'm Michael Winters. And I'm Mary Jo Matta. We'll see you next week. This is the Ed Surge Podcast.